This episode of Real Trail Talk is brought to you by Studio, a Swedish headphone company making great quality products for a fraction of the cost. And for Trail Talk listeners, you can get 15% off any order if you use the code TRAILTALK, or one word. And for every order, it's free international shipping. So it's Studio, which is studio without the T. Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way's Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 18. As promised, we have our Caragini special this week. And yes. back by popular demand is Alyssa. Hello. So you guys did Caragini last year. Yeah, in July uh, 2017. Nearly yep. a year ago. So we're uh, coming up to kind of Caragini season, where oh, it's yeah. the, the right time of the year, the weather's fine, it's not ridiculously hot or stormy or whatever. Yeah. So we're going to do kind of a, a run-through of Caragini and what it's like to travel up from Perth, um, where do you stay, and most importantly, where do you hike? Yeah, definitely. I should say that July is probably the peak of the peak, especially July school holidays. But anywhere during the dry season is good. It depends on what your focus is. I guess if you're more of a swimmer, then maybe April might be better. But April still has the risk of potentials of flash floods. And also it's hot. So if you, if walking is your main thing, then that's probably not a good idea. But July is probably, I think if, if you're a hiker, it's absolutely perfect. And I think for families as well, that'd be the ideal time for safe safety reasons as well as yeah, just kind yeah. of more pleasant. Okay, so for those who don't know and kind of don't have access to Google, what's the kind of distances we're talking about from Perth here? Two days of driving, two days of solid driving to get there. So Our trip, we made it easy on ourselves. We left from work and drove to New Norcia just to kind of get a little head on the mm. driving for the next day. Yep. And I think our first full day of driving was New Norcia to Mikathara. That's correct, yeah. Um, stayed overnight there in a little... Um, cabin? Yeah, a little cabin in, in a, a, like, like a... What's like a caravan park kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, caravan park yeah. kind of connected Ho- to holiday a... Holiday park, I guess. Holiday park like connected to a roadhouse, which was quite nice. Um, and then we did another full day of driving straight through to Karajini, going through Newman... Yeah. Kind of the major town there. And on the way, we visited a place called Walgarok, which is a kind of a cool spot. It's, I think they say it's the second biggest rock after Uluru. However, there's a few of these second biggest rocks after Uluru. Yeah, it's a big claim. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was worth checking out. There's some nice uh, indigenous rock art on there. And I think it's actually owned by the and taken care of by the, the local indigenous people. Yeah. And quite interesting nearby was the um, ghost town. Yeah, Big and Bell ghost yeah, town. We, and there's that famous kind of pub that's kind of half still there and you can see the rows of trees and little kind of glimpses and kind of skeletons of churches and houses and it's kind of strange but kind of fascinating. Yeah, it was the bar that had at one stage the longest bar in, in Australia apparently. The longest bar? Like the bar, so like the yep. actual... Yeah, bar I thought you inside. said spa. <laughs> I was like, hmm, it's a fancy bar. So, yeah, that's um, unfortunately not there anymore, but it's, yeah, it's cool yeah. to see. So, like, WA's Wild Wild West. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Um, you were asking about kilometres. So, from our house to Karajini, it's um, 1,479 kilometres, 
which is very far. Actually, when we were in Queensland, we spoke to a guy from Europe and we were telling him about the distances and he's like, that's almost as far as driving from the Netherlands to Italy. Yeah, pretty much. And he's less to get from the Netherlands to Italy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's, yeah, that's, and that would be driving through multiple countries and you're not even leaving the same state. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's quite a drive. Yeah. But I guess the alternative is you fly up to, what, Caratha and there, then drive. There's one closer. Um, near Tom Price. Near Tom Price. Parabadu. 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 That's the one. So there's an yeah. airport there. And then, what, you'd hire a car, which would be X amount of dollars yeah. and, I'm guessing, expensive. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, we did a nine-day trip there. So we took Great Northern Highway. You could go up along the coast, but the, the coast road is probably nicer, but it's going to cost you an extra day of travel each way. Mm-hmm. But nine days was enough to do Karajini and Millstream to Chester, which is the park that's nearby. So... That was, you know, suddenly I think nine days is good. Four of those days are driving. Mm. But, you know, that that included us on the second day of driving, being able to actually start exploring. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's an okay yeah. amount of time. And you didn't have the luxury of a, a hiking podcast to listen to, did you? No, although we did listen to uh, an audio book while we were driving. We were listening to The Disaster Artist. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's worth reading. Um, well, it's worth listening to the audio book. Yeah. It's quite different to the film for those who haven't. Yeah. Do you want to do, do the old uh, line oh, from Mark. the room? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> every time. Maybe we should uh, introduce that to the Savage podcast. Yeah, like maybe every time I'll say Donovan the Sousa from the Long Ways Better and oh, oh hi, hi Mark. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've taken two days to get there. You're kind of, I'm guessing, exhausted at this point. What are the accommodation options up there and where did you guys stay? In Karajini. In Karajini. Okay, so there's two campgrounds. There's the Dales Campground, which is the government one, which was run by Parks and Wildlife. And that's okay. It's what you'd expect from a government campground. So there's very limited facilities. There's no power, that kind of thing. And being the peak season, there was uh, huge quantities of people with their camper vans and tents coming through. And they actually had to start filling the overflow, which I think even that overflowed. Yeah, they actually put people on the the airstrip because there was just too many. (laughs) Wow. Because Dale's, and this is the key, Dale's is first come, first serve. Ah, Whereas the other campground... You can book. You have to book. Yeah. So Dales is quite cheap. Um, it's sort of the gov- the normal government kind of price for a premium campground, which is... Like 11 or $12. Something like for that. For a tent, yeah. Yeah. So, that, you know, it's okay. Keep in mind, though, that the, that the ground is terrible to pitch a tent in because of the hard iron ore rich soils. Mm, don't tell Gina Reinhardt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other option is you can stay at Karajina Eco Retreat. Now, this is part-owned and run by the Aboriginal uh, Corporation who have the native title rights to the area. Mm-hmm. They've done a fantastic job. So this campground is probably the most deluxe campground I've ever stayed at. And now people have probably seen online the amazing photos of, you know, you've seen those those eco-tents that mm. you look like you're just staying in, in a mansion in the desert almost with yeah. those tents. We didn't do that. We just stayed in, in a tent site. You know, it was a bit more expensive. I think you're looking at maybe $30 a day for the tent site. Mm -hmm. But they are really good tent sites. 
Um, we were also because we weren't hiking, we were able to bring a large tent. We had an inflatable bed with, you know, actual dunas and pillows. And then the facilities they had were great. They had hot showers. They had a really good outdoor camp kitchen. And they had a bar and restaurant as well. I think it is worth booking in advance just to get the peace of mind so that mm. you know you'll get it. And also that you'll know that you have access to all these, these wonderful things. Because if you decide, oh, we've run out of food, I want to go eat. It's a long way to go from, from Dale's campground, whereas you can just walk. There still were people doing that, though. There was, yeah. I could, lots of families coming from Dale's and having a nice meal. I think the prices of the food were quite reasonable for the size of like huge portions, kind of country pub yeah, meals that I were really good. And we had the were, burger deal. They were of a high standard. They weren't just like... Cause I oh, think, it was lovely. You know, when, you, when people think of like pub grub, they may expect a bit rustic and rough, but mm. the quality of the food was good. And they had two standards because they had burgers and sort of quick meals that are more casual. But they also had three course meals out there and the food was good. I had the best steak. I'm not a steak person, but that was good. I suppose like if you're a traveling chef, like it's not the worst place in the world to base yourself for six months. So yeah, it's good that there's that option there. And it means you don't have to, especially on a nine day trip worry about catering for every meal and keeping like the cold stuff cold and everything you can Mm -hmm. skip out a few and go and eat at the pub yeah and we we had some food that we cooked but it was nice as well to you know when you're getting a a burger and a and a matzo's beer for 15 bucks geez that's that's pretty that's less than purse price (laughs) most of the time and some of the nights we were a bit knackered from hiking and driving all day and we would i mean in camping situations you kind of have no choice but We had the choice there to just kind of not bother about having to clean all our dishes and eat in the dark. So we just, yeah, we kind of made the most of that and it was quite, made it for a quite enjoyable trip, at least for me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Because you guys certainly packed a lot into your five days of hiking there. So I guess we'll move on to your adventures. Yeah. So first up, we had Joffrey Gorge. How was that as like an introduction to Karajini? I think that's a good one. We picked that one because I, I guess I put them into an order that made sense in terms of being able to fit it in. Some of the, the harder ones as well, I wanted to make sure we had enough time for it. And also I wanted to make sure that we got in for some of the, the big ticket ones before the big crowds come in. So one thing I'll say is if you ever want to see things be the only person there, get up early at sunrise, don't be lazy, don't get up at 10 when everyone else does because those people who had the same idea of sleeping in and going out at 10, that was everyone. If you if you want to get a good experience where no one's there, go early. We basically had you know some of them to ourselves, but of course, coming into Karajini in the afternoon, Joffrey was, was crowded when we got there. Mm. That's a good introduction, I think. It's a bit of a steep descent, would you say, Alyssa? Yeah, kind of some climbing down rocks. Uh, there's lots of markers there that made it really nice and clear. And you can kind of see the formation of where people have moved before or mm. the water has kind of smoothed off lots of rocks. A bit of kind of wall hugging, creeping around edges and shelves. Would you yeah, call them shelves? Yeah, so like when you when you go <clears throat> into the, the gorge, basically you kind of circle around Joffrey Falls. You walk across the top of the falls. And then you have to climb down this, I guess, 
scramble of, of a wall of rock that you have to get down and then you walk along a ledge and then you're in the main amphitheater where Joffrey Falls is mm-hmm. and Joffrey Falls is sort of you know it's a really great start I think it's, it's only a short one but you're in this nice amphitheater with this waterfall and a kind of a beach on one side and yeah it's just a, a good start I think to get a sense for how deep and big these gorges are and it was also, you know, our first walk in the outback. Mm. So you start on the top and it's all spin effects and red dirt. And then you're going deep into this, this rock that is the oldest, you know, I think it's the second oldest rock in the world. It's like several billion years old. Mm. And you are going beneath the ground into this land that is ancient. Yeah, so and you're kind of climbing down into history. Exactly. Very much so. And it's doing its bit to kind of rebuild the name of Joffrey after Game of Thrones has kind of destroyed it. We talked a lot about Joffrey. Yeah, it has a negative connotation now. Mm. Um, But yeah, I guess after hiking this, you've kind of, you think of Joffrey as, you know, Joffrey Falls rather than that guy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the first walk of the morning, right? That was the afternoon. So we arrived from Tom, uh, not from Tom Price, from... Newman. Newman. Well, we went from uh, Mikathara all the way through to Karajini, but driving through Newman while we bought some bacon and eggs. Yes. Oh, you always... (laughs) I know. I will remember what we ate. This will be right on the food here. Before we remember what we actually did. (laughs) So, yeah, that was like a late afternoon arrival. We did that sort of, I think we finished around sunset. And it was a good test because, you know, with a lot of the walks that Depor have their their times uh, for yeah they always overstate because i think that the person who's doing the testing must be like an old man with a broken leg well they're not the guru from the long ways better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i understand their times are a little pessimistic yeah so you know doing doing this was great because we got to see how long it was and from there we could work out okay so if that says that amount of time then that's the amount of time that we can allow so what we did was we did one walk in the morning generally and then one in the afternoon. So one was sort of near nearish to sunrise and then the other one was near sunset. So cutting the time closer than they say mm. meant that we often started at what time it should have been too late to finish. Yeah. But it meant that we got it right on time. Yeah. That's always the case. But I mean, you know, sometimes you finish after sunset and the sky lights up with that second light. So sometimes it's always not too bad. Yeah. So you've done Joffrey Gorge the day you arrived, and as you said, you're up early, you beat the tourists out, and the next hike was Wayno and Hancock Gorge? That's correct, yeah. So one of the better ones that uh, you went on. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the thing with the gorges there is it's often not clear that you can do them as some of them as longer walks. They're all, you know, they look, you look at it and it's like two kilometres. You think, really? That's mm. the whole walk. But the thing that's cool with Wino and Hancock is that they're right next to each other in the same recreation area and that you can link them all up as one walk. And Wino and Hancock, to me, is the heart of Karajini. This is, if you only have time for one walk, do this because it is so beautiful and it has the best features. Um, would you not agree, Alyssa? I would agree. I think it was actually a really nice kind of adventure walking through kind of along the edges. The picture makes it look much harder than it is. Um, there were some moments where we got to walk in through the water, which was really nice. It was quite cold. 
I think the sun not hitting the the water. Um, yeah, it does make it a bit cold. And, and you, you, but you went you went for a swim though, you know. Yeah, so. I think that was kind of a bit later in the um, the other little kind of wing of of the area. But it was quite nice going down to the handrail pool, which I was a little nervous with, as the idea of it, kind of having to lower yourself down a, a waterfall. But yeah, it, it sounds more epic than it actually is. But it was just a really beautiful kind of payoff sitting in that pool. It was really kind of nice, very idyllic and peaceful. Peaceful. Mm. And then, um, yeah, the other one I think was my favourite. It was a shorter walk, I remember. Hancock Gorge. Yep, Hancock. Yeah. And the beautiful amphitheatre and the spider walk, which that that was the part I think I was most anxious about. You hear stories of people having to like, the idea of like, so I guess like, like Spider-Man style. Spider-Man style, but like dog with socks. Was that kind of... <laughs> did yeah. you do that style of walking on there? Oh, uh, not so much dog with socks. Spider um, with socks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it would be spider with socks. Kind of a dog... If a dog had a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. Um, but I think instead, by that point, my feet were wet, my clothes were wet. I was like, ah, stuff it. I'm going to walk through the water. There was, it was like... A, I think it, the reason it's a spider walk is there's a, a flowing rivulet kind of going through the middle. Yeah. So the idea is you're supposed to kind of... Um, climb up and then kind of wedge yourself and kind of use um, that kind of small space, kind of arms on each side, slowly walking between. But I was just, we just walked straight through, I think, yeah. by that I point. Mean, you, you do have to hold on with your hands, but the feet thing of, of like the spider walk mm. is not necessary. Unless I think it's really gushing and it, it wasn't at that time of year. Yeah. And but. This is the post where we got all the G.I. Alyssa action shots, isn't it? So she kind of, there's one where you're looking and it's, it's, it's like a 20 meter drop into the water, but that wasn't really the case though, was it? No, <laughs> it looks way more impressive than it actually was. Yeah. Still a cool shot though. Yeah. yeah. And getting to Kermit's pool was beautiful. And yeah. I think a little, if that, that felt like the most actual treacherous moment of the whole yeah because the trail goes on a little like right to the end past kermit's pool and it stops Mm. and it used to continue onwards but it doesn't anymore because um a tourist was there in wet season they fell down they got injured and a guy named regan went to go rescue them who was an ses guy and when he went down uh, a flash flood came through and he died so really it's it's the fault of the people because they shouldn't have been there at all mm. because of, of the time of year. And really, I guess the other thing is that as a result of, of what they've done where this SES guy has died, mm. that it's affected, I guess, the enjoyment of other people who maybe have the experience because now you can't go past a certain point without getting a license or without going with um, people who have proper training for abseiling and things like that. Mm. I guess it's one of those things that you can put up a warning sign to say don't do during this time, but people are still going to do it. So you have to ban people completely. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate because apparently if you kept going, it's even better. It's really amazing down there, but mm. it's very hard to get there. So in the old days, there were a lot more sort of dangerous things that were done. And there is someone who has, I think, a blog they wrote in the late 90s where they say, do this before it gets closed because it's going to happen. And it has happened. But what is there? So what what we did was we walked across the top of Wiener Gorge, then down into the gorge through to there's a junction point where you can go back out. 
take a side trip down the gorge through the water to Henrail Pool and then back out. Then you can walk to the Oxa Lookout, which looks down into the deepest part of the gorge, which is where all, a lot of the other gorges all come and join together at that point. Then you can go along the, the trail back to where the car park is and then take another side trail that takes you into Hancock Gorge. And Hancock Gorge is the one that Alyssa says probably the, the prettiest, and I, I agree. Mm. And it finishes at Kermit's Pool now. And it's a really nice, it's called Kermit's Pool because of the green color of the water, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's spectacular. And there mm. was the tour group going through when we were there. Yeah. Because we heard someone singing off in the distance, and it was a bit creepy. And then this guy with like some ropes came through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they were doing the tour that goes down into the, I think they call it the, the red, either the Red Gorge Adventure or Journey to the Centre of the Earth, where you go deep into the, yeah. the parts of the gorge that you're not allowed to go into. I think you have to yeah. abseil and do other crazy yeah. adventuring things. I think there's like sliding down waterfalls. It sounds pretty good, but no. <laughs> we, we didn't it. do that. Not for Alyssa. No. No. <laughs> so that was, that was the morning walk, sort of lunch kind of relax a little bit and then off to Knox Gorge in the afternoon? Yeah, so it gets a bit warm-ish, even though it's winter. The sun is quite cutting, mm. uh, even though it's not that wasn't that hot. We were very lucky because the week we were there was sort of mid to high 20s, and the week after was in the low 30s, so we really lucked out. Then in the afternoon, we did Knox Gorge. You didn't mention our Monopoly game where I beat you. <laughs> That's what we did. We, yeah, <laughs> we set true. up under a tree and played Monopoly twice. That is correct. And we I did actually. Beat you very much. Yes, and I think we we had burgers that time, did we? Yep. Yeah, and we had the the deluxe lunch, burgers. Lunch burgers, yeah. lunch burgers, and Monopoly, and then onto Knox Gorge. Yep. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Knox Gorge. Doing we know in Hancock, Knox was a bit of a step down. It's mm. it's, it's not a bad one. It's just. Yeah, it's all relative. Yeah, when you do that, you know, I'd say that we know in Hancock would be in, in my top 10 hikes in WA. Hmm. That's the kind of place it is. So Knox, not so. But, you know, if, if that was a gorge that was somewhere else, you'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, if that was in Perth, you'd probably be like, yep, cool, this is easily top five. Yeah, easily. Yeah. So this one was a bit of a steep descent. Like I referred to it as like a reverse tool burn up in that, there's a lot of scrambling down like scree fields and boulders to get into the gorge. Mm. So, and I think Alyssa, you, you quite like the fact that with these gorges, it's all easy going in. So you, you kind of don't think about it and then you have no choice but the difficulty. Yeah, and by that point, you kind of warmed yourself up in your kind of movement. I don't know, I find my first 30 minutes of hiking, I'm slow. So if I'm faced with an, like a uphill... It's 30 minutes of walking and uphill, whereas if it's downhill and then flat for a bit, I kind of get into a good groove. And then by the time I'm really at my best, it's an uphill and I can tackle it a bit better. And also it's the last bit, so you're kind of like, just this hill and then it's the car. Yeah, literally and one last hill. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think that con the concept of a gorge hike suits me and my mental and physical capabilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas a, a mountain, you kind of like have to face the hardest part at the beginning. Yeah. And at the end, you just kind of, it's all downhill from here, literally. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so there was a nice lagoon in this one, wasn't there? 
Yeah, so when you get to the bottom, just to the right is a nice lagoon, and it's one of those. I think there's there's two or three of them that are sort of the most photographed in in the Karajini, and this is mm. one of those that is there. So it's got sort of like bulrushes on the side and some, I think there's some paper barks and some kind of white gums growing along the water. So it's yeah, it's really nice. And then if you head downstream, the walk is in the shape of an L, and so you walk to your left from where you descended and then go down the gorge. So it's it's, it's kind of cool. It sort of is very tall, like the walls are very high. And then just towards the end of it, it looks like the, the main gorge was cut a long time ago and it was quite wide. Mm. And then it's narrowed out so that there's a, a wide entry point and then there's like a ramp that goes down into like a narrow kind of slot. And then that leads to the end of, of what tourists can do. Mm. And there's a after that there's a really narrow slot that keeps going and I think that there's a waterfall slide on the other side. But yeah, you can't go without permission. Yeah. So good good couple of gorges in that day. What was yeah. the dinner that night? <laughs> I don't remember. I think that was had, the double burger day. Was it a double that burger was, day? We had a lunch a burger for lunch and then realized they had that special burger deal. I was like, yeah, we'll do like, that. Oh, burger for double dinner. burger day sounds good. It was good. a double burger <laughs> yeah. day. And also I think cuz we knew the big hike we had early the next morning we couldn't be bothered cooking and cleaning and we wanted to get to bed we were zonked out every night on this trip we slept so well because i think we were getting up so early hiking 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 and then kind of like lazy in the middle and it was just nice and cool weather at the in the evening so i feel like cool weather or like all rugged up and slept just so well and got up nice and early to do that mount bruce hike which was the next day yeah so it's not all gorgeous there is mountains no. in there and the second tallest mountain in WA. I think people kind of forget that there's mountains up north and everyone goes, oh, Bluff Knoll, tallest that's, mountain yeah. in WA. And you know what? Bluff Knoll, not even top 10. That's, yeah. that's how it is. So the Hammersley Range is the biggest mountain range in WA and it has the tallest mountains. And I have to say that when you drive in there, it is just incredible, especially if you, if you come from the southwest where everything is so flat. Okay, I'll put it this way. For me, there's there's two national parks that actually absolutely I feel like my heart is there, and mm. and it, one of them is Cradle Mountain Lake St Clair, and the other one is Karajini. Like it to me, it's in top five national parks, and the mountains are a big part of that. I mean, there's there's only one real mountain walk that's open to tourists, mm. but the tallest mountain in WA is also there, Mount Mahari, but it's not easy to get to. And if I were to talk about a weakness of the park is that I think there could be more mountain walks there. Yeah, certainly if you've got a lot of mountains in the area and they are the tallest in WA, surely you could take advantage of that. Exactly. But Mount Bruce, still a good hike. Oh, yeah, really good mountain walk. Yeah, and looking at it from your photos, looks quite scary in places. I don't know, Alyssa, you're not particularly a mountain fan. That's Donovan's kind of terrain. No, I'm not a mountain goat. Not a mountain no. goat, and not dressed like a mountain goat on this one, were you? No, this is the one where I was dressed the most mountain goaty. Ah. Yes. How, how does a mountain goat dress? Um, arms covered. Like I had one of those super cool um, legionnaires hat. Ah, the old um, Donovan hat. Hardcore pants, so I don't <laughs> rip them. Yeah, so I was like, I, it wasn't really a fashion show on the mountain that day, let's just say that. <laughs> 
No, I think you wore your like super orange. Oh yeah, long I had my, I so you were super cool as well. No, normally when you, if you see me out and about, I'm wearing either like a grey coloured shirt or a green coloured shirt. Those are my hiking standards. Mm. Or khaki. In, in yeah, khaki. Your adventure gray. don outfit. Yeah, yeah, we refer to it as the adventure don look. <laughs> it's a bit kind of um, Steve Irwin esque. Yeah. So this this one I had bought a shirt from Mountain Designs. May they rest in peace. Um, I bought a shirt from them that was not of those colors it was a kind of desert rust color and we referred to it as the pilbara don look and i wore the pilbara don shirt for this particular and i think my blue one was like the matching female version yeah so like we look super matchy matchy yeah See, the yeah. cynic in me is just picturing, like, a line of action figure dons, and this is just to sell more toys. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, a, a red variant just to yeah. sell... The, ooh, this is a rarity. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. So, Pilbara Don and matching Pilbara Alyssa, mm-hmm. did you have fun on this one? Because it looks like quite a, a challenging but fun hike. I was grumpy. I'll be honest. You were grumpy. I liked the beginning. It was really nice, kind of slow up. But I think my, le- I think the delayed onset muscle soreness had hit, and um, <laughs> I was feeling a bit achy, and I couldn't work out exactly how the hike was going. Like, for me, I need to like be able to visualize what I'm in store for, and if I can't. Like, I think my imagination must just go wild because I looked at it and went, that, how are we going to do that? We're going to have to go down the mountain and back up and I'm not scaling up that. And I think I was really skeptical during the hike. And it's, it's not toward, until towards the end where I worked it out. I went, oh, okay, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, so I, was, I approached it a little grumpy because of feeling a bit sore and having to get up so early and one of those typical early morning mountain hike moods. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, don't. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, I, I think this is one of my favorite mountain walks in WA. You know, I'd say it's, it's sort of comparable to Tilbert Up in terms of the adventure of it. So the first bit is quite easy. And then once you reach the unfortunately named Chinaman's Cap... <laughs> Yeah, we love our racist names in yes. WA. Um, that's when things get really exciting. So there's a bit on there where you walk along a narrow ledge that has a chain along it, and then you have to walk up this narrow chute that you have to scramble up. And I, I always find it hilarious that they put this chain here because they put the chain across the narrow shelf, but it's fine. You really probably would fall there. Mm. Then the next bit up the chute is just a complete drop to the bottom of the mountain and there's nothing there so if you lost your footing you would yeah. just keep going i think there was a good photo on the blog of like you taking a photo of looking back at me yeah and it kind of like drop you can see the drop down behind me yeah i think one of those circumstances you just have to like i get nervous with the heights which is another reason i'm not pro mountain as much as you are mm. so i think those hikes you just have to focus on what's in front of you don't turn around don't look back but when you look back at that photo it really was kind of a bit of a hairy moment yeah i guess there's there's exposure but it's not a difficult problem in terms of the scramble mm. like it's it's doable without being um, problematic whereas i think the ones that are more dangerous are probably when there's not no handholds so. But that wasn't quite the summit. I remember the end of Mount Bruce, there was that kind of sl- like a bit of a switchback and going up. Well, be- before and it was kind that, of shrubbery. We had to walk across a ridge, which was really cool. And that was probably one of the best bits because it went across this sort of rocky, flat terrain. 
And we saw uh, Rothschild's wallabies there. An Illuminati wallaby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really good. And then there was the switch back up the top. Is this where you had an Alyssa moment where you yelled at Don because it looked like you are going to have to climb down and then back up this steep mountain? No, Don was too far ahead. So <laughs> 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 it was just me grumbling about you, it. I know. I think at sky. that point I realized the summit wasn't far. So it's kind of a bit easier at that point. Mm. Well, you can, yeah, I can visualize where the ending point is. Yeah. And mm. that was fine. Mm. I think I think as well I worked out I really loved gorge hikes. So to then break it up and go on a mountain hike, it just emphasized how much I loved the gorge hikes. Yeah, there you go, perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, ah, yeah. So bring, ter- yeah, bring so, me to a gorge. So in terms of Mount Bruce, like what kind of distances are we talking from like starting the hike at above sea level to, a, you know, the top of the summit because as you say it is one of the the second tallest in wa but the starting point may be you know less than something in the sterling range it's actually quite far um you have to walk nine k's there and back to the summit so it's quite a substantial day walk yeah um it's i guess it's because what the longest is magog which is seven yeah so this is longer than magog and but it was less steep, I think, except for the scrambly bit. It didn't have that insane kind of you know, yeah. straight up that Magog has. So yeah, it was. It was. I think it also the fact that you get to walk along the low hills and then you go up and then you walk across the ridge. That there's moments of flatness to enjoy and take it in, mm. rather than it just being a grunty all the time challenge yeah which i think the sterling or mostly uh the mountain walks if you can call the mountains in wa um they're like that it's just all up Mm. so it's yeah nice to have that ridge to kind of enjoy the mountain views and the nice sweeping view of a mine to the right (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. there was like a little um no like wasn't the first part of the hike some kind of walk in itself just to go see the mine yeah so if you want <laughs> so there's a thing that western australia does which i think is a load of crap which is that the sh- it'll have a trail and then like the first 500 meters will be called another trail and then they'll say look another trail yeah and so the first bit of the trail is basically a mining propaganda walk mm. which has signs talking about the mine and you know i, I don't know i I, I get that there's economic benefits to doing this, and I know that some of the money gets reinvested into the park, which is good, and you can see that there's money for the park. But it is really depressing seeing all these beautiful mountains being cut up and sent to China. You know, like, it's it's not a great sight. Yeah, it's kind of like almost bribe money like we're gonna destroy this landscape but here here's some token money to you know upgrade the campsites or do this or that yeah but yeah i mean hopefully there's more areas like this conserved because helena aurora was going to be developed for mining and basically wiped out and that's yeah. been saved now so i don't know maybe there'll be more of a push because Karajini is such a popular area now if yeah. they ever expand it's not think, a good look having I think mines. The, the main part of the park will be safe, but it's just that, you know, you'd never know what, yeah. what they're going to do. And there's areas outside the park. So the Hammersley Range is much larger than Karajini National Park, and a lot of it is not protected. You know, 
we are basically making Western Australia flatter because we're, we're cutting up the mountains. Yeah, we can't afford to do that. Who was it a while ago that decided that they were going to blast some nukes in the middle of Australia to make mountains? I forget who that was. I don't know. That's interesting. And they were going to create a like an African savanna plane as well. I want to say Clive Palmer, but I'm not quite sure. It was Sounds a decade or two. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> They thought they could create a mountain range by, you know, burying some nukes and blowing them up, <laughs> which does not sound uh, the right way to do it. No. Yeah. Anyway, we're off topic. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a day out at Mount Bruce, as you said, fantastic hike, well worth doing one of mm. your best mountain hikes, back into the gorges. So Alyssa, yep. your kind of day. Yep. So well, we went, well, I think that afternoon we did our, our usual morning activity then a lunchtime monopoly. We went to, we and went then, to Tom Price that day. Uh, yeah. Which is, I think, is a nice town. I think between Newman and Tom Price, I like Tom Price. Tom Price better. was really lovely. Yeah. We went to the library, and um, a cafe. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was really, yeah, really yeah. kind of would, cute would little town. Would recommend visiting. Yeah. Yeah. So there are like towns around that you could easily drive to and explore. Yeah. So Tom Price is about an hour. So it's it's an easy one to get to. Yeah. Um, Newman's a bit further, but Newman's convenient if you're heading up from Perth. And there's a few roadhouses along the way. So if you're if you're driving for the purpose of fueling or mm. getting a few groceries, you don't have to necessarily go to a town. Yeah. There's a few kind of okay. options for you. That's not too bad. Yeah. So you don't have to carry nine days worth of food. No. It's no. We no, I thought I think we kind of We had like over we just, had just in case, for it. Yeah. 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 If we couldn't get to somewhere and we had yeah, well, yeah, fuel and extra bits and pieces just in case you don't want to be stuck out there yeah. without anything. Yeah. And now's a good time to talk about our sponsor Studio, a Swedish headphone company making great quality products for a great price. Don, how are your Regent headphones going? Yeah, I've been really enjoying them. The last pod actually was edited with the Regent headphones on, and I'm really enjoying them. I can get a really good clarity on there, make sure that any any of those laughs that we have that are a little bit, you know, a bit flubbed yeah, <laughs> in some of the long. conversation can be edited nicely and get it sounding seamless. So yeah, I'm really enjoying them. Excellent. I've just spent a week on the Billman track and mine were flawless. Like in the rain, in the wind, you just put them in, they work all the time. Just at night, just charge them, work again the next day. Um, great sound quality and yeah, really easy to carry around. They're lightweight, fit in your pocket during the day and survived the worst that uh, WA weather could throw at them. Awesome, because that was a really a wet week and you, that was with wireless headphones, wasn't it? With wireless, you didn't need to worry about unclipping and your phone could be safely in a dry sack. Yeah, it just connected automatically via Bluetooth. It was great. Fantastic. So for Real Trail Talk listeners, if you want your own set of studio headphones, simply go to their website, which is linked on the podcast and use the code TRAILTALK for 15% off and it includes free shipping. It's a great deal. So the next day, you kind of left Karajini. So Karajini National Park is where you spent most of your time, but yeah. one of the better national parks in WA, which is kind of, as you say, unheralded in your blogs, is mm. Millstream Chichester National Park. Yeah, so it's similar but different in that it's water in the desert, but equally beautiful in its own way, mm. but very different. I hadn't heard of it much before except for my from my dad who did it when he was like a 
young 20-something-year-old with his brother, and he described it as kind of like this desert, and then suddenly like a mirage oasis appears, Mm. and it feels really kind of out of nowhere, Mm. which I feel like it kind of was, Yeah, especially at the homestead, kind of walking around there. It was beautiful, just kind of a little tropical spot. But in the middle of a dry desert. Yeah. yeah. So like Australia's oasis. Yeah. Yeah. Now, being watery, there's fish. And I have to ask you about Dilbert. Yes. So there was a fish that we dubbed Dilbert. Um, that was at uh, deep, deep Reach Pool. <laughs> yes. So I think Don, it was quite a hot afternoon. It was a bit, we found it a little humid. Yeah, it was. Um, I guess being a bit more of a tropical place. Than there's, it was in Karajini. There's, there's native palms there as well that are sort of, Ooh. they I guess must be Gondwanan uh, remnants. Mm. And so the area is quite different in that. I guess there's Deep, Deep Reach Pool, which is where we saw Dilbert, is this huge, huge part of the river that is a pool and it's fed by underground aquifers. So it's always wet. Mm. So the, the story of the area is that this is where the rainbow serpent went back into the ground. Mm. So... The area has, and I think that there is certainly a feeling in the Pilbara, there's a spiritual energy about the place, and it's... You, it's very f- vibrant and full of life. Yeah. And I think that's, like, we felt that a deep reach where you went for a swim and there was fish everywhere and yeah. birds everywhere, and the fish are really kind of casual and don't really care that you're right there next to them. And mm. Gdilbert was a, a fish that was hanging out on the steps... Um, they had these big, big kind of sets of steps with kind of nice gripping stuff where you walk down into the steps, mm. into the water. And Don went in for a full swim and I kind of just sat with my feet in the water and this little fish just kind of sat next to me the whole time. And even when Don came up, he kind of would move a little bit and then come back again. And it was very cute, so we nubbed Dilbert. Dilbert. He became nice. our friend. I have a photo of him somewhere on the blog. Mm. No, I don't think it's in the blog. I think Isn't that was it? just one that you, you took. Just for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe, we'll maybe we'll it. post a photo of Dilbert on the Instagram yes. account. Yeah. We'll find that photo of Dilbert. I think yeah. it's just like Dilbert's always watching. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he kind of felt it creepy because it's like he was watching us the whole time. Yeah. Like he was kind of like hanging around and sussing us out. Mm. I guess mm. it's kind of weird that like that area being an oasis would have been like a vital life source for the Aboriginal people that the fish are so casual because I'm assuming they would have been a food source. I guess the small ones aren't food. <laughs> but they could be bait fish. But there, like, are yeah. big, there are big fish in there, I think. Mm. I'm not sure if people fish there. I'm not, it might be also that it's so sacred that you can't. I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, but the area has multiple pools. There's one that's like a Renoir painting where some they're not meant to be there, but there are water lilies in there. And it looks really beautiful, but mm. it's not native. But it looks like Renoir's water lilies come to life. Yeah. So and the and the campground was really good as well. This is in in the the mill stream part of it. Where mm-hmm. They had hot water, which is a rarity. Yeah, and a beautiful kind of giant camp kitchen with lights and lots of different kind of burners and gas stoves. Yeah, and, yeah. so it was very deluxe. Mm. Kind was, of yeah, kind of odd because you know you think Karajini would get like the top notch resources for like the government campgrounds, but if you've got hot showers and camp stoves on a sort of little-known campground. Oh, I don't think they had hot they showers. Have showers. They just they had, had hot water. water. Hot water. So, like, yeah. you yeah. could wash your dishes and yeah. not have to heat it up. Yeah. I mean, hot showers we, would be super deluxe. Yeah. We yeah. didn't really explore Dale's campground, so I don't know what there was there. 
because it was so packed, it kind of felt a bit awkward just to I'll take just a little a gander see and drive how through. The poor people. Yeah. Live. <laughs> oh, the other half live. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't quite head there, but I think if we were to go again, we'd have a look. Yeah. But I definitely I s- would stay with the eco resort. Just to have the peace of mind of the booking is, yeah. is worth that. Okay, so also in Millstream Chichester National Park is one of the trails you're looking forward to was the Camel Trail. Give us a little bit of info on that one. Yeah, so this is one that I stumbled upon it because Trails WA listed it as one of their top trails, which to me was interesting because it had not been written up at all. And I was surprised as well that even though this was the first time it really been written up in any great depth, that this was an under-read post that I wrote, you know, so mm. it's very surprising. I guess that comes down to the fact that people just don't know about Millstream to Chester. And so this is one of those 1988 heritage trails we've talked about in the past as being this yep. sort of... I think in, in 1988, if you've had the word heritage in your trail name... No, oh, you got tons of money thrown yeah. at you. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this is actually a quite a historic one. So this was a, a trail that the Cameliers used in the park to link up certain areas to water holes so that they could bring their camels to water. And those water holes still exist. And the track starts or finishes at Python Pool, depending on which way you walk it, and finishes or starts at Mount Herbert. Mm. So if you are doing this in the one direction, it generally is said to be better to start at Mount Herbert and finish at Python Pool because you're going downhill. It's a gradual down. Yep. Um, or if you're going to go back and forth, you they say start at Python Pool so that you... You have, do the up and then the down. Yeah. Unless you're Alyssa when you like doing the down and the up. Yes. Yeah. But we did it up because I had another idea. Yeah. <laughs> which was to cycle downhill. But I, I'll talk about the trail first before I talk about that. Yeah. How long was the track? Because so, I feel like I remember us looking at it and going... No, we're not doing. We're not going to do it as a return trip because it was just too much. Plus, yeah. then trying to drive. So it's back. seven k's. So it would have been fourteen k's then back, mm. and we wanted to get going and back to Karajini. So that would have taken too long. Yeah. So hence the decision to do a one way, and then how are we going to get back to our car? Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about yeah. that after. Sorry. The, uh, it's a know. surprise. So, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so, Python pools really cool. It's um, it's dry that time of year, but it is actually this this huge cliff face with a waterfall that comes down in, in the wet season. Um, the water looked a little bit stagnant to me, but people were swimming in there and seemed okay. So mm, power, yeah. power to them, I guess. Yeah. And the walking is quite different to Karajini, like because it was it was sort of more through the open plains of Spinifex. Yeah, I remember the beginning, kind of going through kind of rocky boulders and mm. kind of following along the riverbed. Yeah, and then it slowly kind of winds up. I guess because you're following an old camel trail, it's quite defined and mm. a little bit easier. Mm. It was quite like quite nice. I don't think it felt like a hard seven k's. Yeah, it was I think quite the hardest e- it was just hot. Yeah. And this was definitely wearing our cool... Hats. 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 Um, yes. It was just a necessity. But this is very much a desert climate. But one of the things that we saw a lot of wildflowers, so a lot of desert peas and other okay. wildflowers along the way. It's very different to Karajini, where Karajini is all this sort of iron ore rock. This was all these sort of chocolate brown boulders everywhere. So it looked quite different 
There's quite some interesting, um, I think being a heritage trail, they've got little plaques with information. I remember seeing and noticing where they've like exploded yeah. rocks and you can actually see like where they've used like dynamite sticks to actually blow up giant boulders to make way for this track. So I, th- cool. I, I remember that being kind of cool. Yeah. And that's what I like about the heritage trails, that, that little extra information kind of just sometimes really gives you that atmosphere and history and... Well, the thing is, like, you can link it back to imagining the cameleers, mm-hmm. like, you know, carting their camels to and from water sources and whatnot. And you can picture yeah. being in that kind of lifestyle. Cameleers is such a great word. It is. Like, it doesn't really have, like, if you say cameleer, there's no image that pops into your head. But I imagine them being kind of, like, gruff. I imagine a musketeer, tough. but on a camel. <laughs> <laughs> So the when three you say cameleers. Cam- the three cameleers. cameleers and yeah. D'Artagnan. No, no. What's the other guy? Yeah, D'Artagnan. Yeah. He's not a, he's not so a musketeer. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Yep. And D'Artagnan. And Maybe we need to have Donan, Donovan the uh, cameleer as an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be D-apostrophe-onovan. Yeah. <laughs> like D'Artagnan. D-onovan. D'onovan. <laughs> Um, but yeah, further along the track that goes to uh, Mackenzie Springs, which is the spring that still flows, mm. which is cool to see because a lot of the springs in Western Australia have dried up and died, but yeah. this one's still there. And um, there's like a little waterfall and a little pool there. And then you come to the top at Mount Herbert, which has cool views of the landscape. And it looks it looks a lot like a smaller version of Utah. Like there's all these sort of flat top mesas everywhere, mm. but they're much smaller than, than that. And then how and we then got down. We've got the exciting bit coming up. Strap yourselves in listeners. It's probably going to be a bit of a, a let down. <laughs> Underwhelming. So this whole time we, we had bikes with us entirely for one reason. And that was to cycle downhill from Mount Herbert back to Python Pool. And having the bikes with us actually was a terrible idea because it cost us a, a rear window. So driving from Karajini to Millstream, we lost our rear window because the rock ricocheted off the bike and shattered the rear window. Uh, no. So we had, luckily we had glad wrap and we wrapped up the wind. And gaffer. And Lots gaffer. of gaffer. Oh. Yeah. So that was an expensive mistake. And, we, and then Alyssa's bike, the tire popped because a, a rock hit the tire as well. Yeah. But my bike was okay. And I will say that even though this was a mistake to bring them for all those other reasons, mm-hmm. that this is one of the best bits of the trip for me because <laughs> it's basically all downhill from Mount Herbert to Python Pool. So it's not a hard cycle. So what we did is we, on the way to Python Pool, dropped the bike off at yeah. at the hill, locked it up at the signpost, then drove all the way back down, which I, that was my section of getting to take in the amazing downhill. So we did the drive all the way down to Python, left the car there, start the hike. Yeah. So by the time we got to the hill, it was just our bike there, and that's when you hopped on. Yeah, and then And I just downhill. waited at the hill by myself. And it's just incredible because the, that road, to drive it is awesome. You're mm. driving basically through these mountains. And, you know, we don't have in WA those sort of meandering mountain roads very often where they, they're working their way down through the mountains. Like a car ad. Like those car ads where they show you the capability of the car and they're, like, driving through these amazing, like, ranges. It was yeah. like that. Yeah. So it was like that, but I was on a bike. Yeah. And 
basically going fast downhill and we saw a lot of people and they were driving past and someone saw us when I hopped on the bike mm. and I was like, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and other people saw and you just see this grin on their face when they yeah. realized what I was doing and they probably just thought, you're having the best time out of anyone here at the yeah. moment. I Unfortunately, the GoPro I had must have been on or something because it just died mm. and we tried to film it by putting a phone in my pocket but then Alyssa when she put it in my pocket must have hit the off button and you know it just didn't work but it's one of those things where it's not recorded it's not on the blog anywhere but it's something that I have as a memory that I'll really cherish and it yeah. is just yeah it was fantastic and I recommend people doing it it's destined to be a Don only memory yeah so what you're saying and what I'm getting out of this is you went up to Karajini to do all this hiking and your best memory or your best experience was riding a bike <laughs> <laughs> on a road. Um, hiking Guru Don. It was one of the best experiences. The next walk that we did also featured one of the best experiences, but it wasn't for the walking. So on the way back from Archichester... Millstream to Chester. Millstream to Chester expedition. Back on the way to Karajini is Hammersley Gorge. Yeah. Am I correct? And that's quite a famous feature at the end of the hike, which when we got there was actually advertised as no-go zone. Um, but we checked it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we weren't the only people. A lot who, of people yeah. were doing it. Um, there was a lot of people there kind of not really prepared for a lot of the hikes I felt in around Karajini. This is in, with, in general with any yeah, hike Yeah, like Karajini. people going in with thongs, which I understand if you're going to go for a swim, I totally get, but you have to be prepared to get to the watering hole safely. Yeah. And I have a feeling that a lot of people that have hurt themselves have just like rolled their ankle on the really smooth and really kind of um, steep kind of rock faces where your thumb just gives you no grip or yeah. any support. Because you have to remember that the rocks in Karajini are basically rich in metal. And with so much water flowing over them, they're basically being polished smooth. Yeah. And so people wearing just thongs that have no grip are asking for trouble. And if you're going to go to a place like this, please, just for, for goodness sake, take the precautions. This is a dangerous place. And... Just remember that your actions don't just affect you, they affect other people because other people who are prepared and know what they're doing maybe are told, oh, you can't go to that place mm -hmm. because of your actions. So it's really selfish to go there and not wear the proper shoes. And I think that unfortunately a lot of the tourism stuff doesn't help either because they often have photos of people in like board shorts and bikinis walking through there. Yeah. And that's not what you need for those places, you know, like it, it is not easy going. And or it's something you change into once you get to the destination. Exactly. Like Hammersley Gorge was quite steep trying to get to the kind of the top swimming point. So Hammersley Gorge being kind of like this, I guess you walk down, 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 very kind of steep but short kind of descent. And then there's a little um, swimming hole at the bottom, which is what they recommend you have a swim there. Mm. But you can actually keep then walking kind of up through the gorge and that's where, obviously, in kind of wet season, it's flowing down through and smoothing it down. That's where if you walk up that smooth rock, you get to this top pool. And you could get to that point and then take off everything and get your thongs out and your exactly. whatnot. Well, um, is which like, is kind of what we did. 
Yeah, songs are lightweight, easy to carry. You just strap them to your bag. Yeah. Like your bikini or your board shorts. You can wear anyway. Just yeah. shoes and socks. Like it's, yeah. It must be like a tourist thing, not to generalize, but yeah, having seen tourists trying to do Frenchman Peak, which is a class five hike in just thongs, it just shook my head. Just like, just take some shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, it's something that you need. Mm. Yeah. So the, the reason why it's worth going up and, you know, why we basically ignored the, the signs yeah. is because of Spa Pool, which is probably one of the most famous sites in Karajini. So the Spa Pool is this circular pool which has a waterfall flowing into it. But it's not named Circular Pool. No. It's called <laughs> we'll get to that later. Spa Pool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... um. Oh, it's just, it's one of those things you see in photo books all the time. You know, it's one of the, the most photographed sites in the park. It's one of those sort of great outback water holes that you see everywhere. And, and it really is, in person, even more amazing than the photos. You, as you might see if you look on Instagram, that Spa Pool is one of the most photographed places in the park. And it's always, you know, the ones that has like, you know, a million likes from people because it's amazing. And the pool is probably smaller than you expect. But when you're there, especially because there was a sign saying don't go there, mm. there were not a lot of people there. There were some people, but, you know, I, I was able to basically have spa pool to myself for 15, 20 minutes. And it is just incredible. We it's, also went in the afternoon. Yeah. Which I think would have, I mean, I'm assuming there were, that for that reason, there was less people with bulk people probably going kind of around the midday that's true yeah because it is it is a bit far we we drove back in darkness to the campsite mm. but we were there for sunset so we had really nice light and it was really nice and you kind of swim through this bigger pool to get to the little spa pool section and then you kind of like awkwardly kind of like a seal kind of like flop onto rocks and then down into this real like the actual spa pool itself is like a really deep pool Wait, like I don't, I don't know if people can. I'm sure you can get to the bottom. I didn't jump down. I, far I enough. tried to go a bit lower, but I couldn't reach the bottom. Yeah, it's really dark, so it's clearly must be like a a, a section that when it's flowing fast and in the wet season, it hits mm. down quite hard and has kind of dug out that section. But it, the water coming also from the top's really nice and warm. Yeah, because where you are in that spa pool section, you're really kind of. Sh- in the shadows so obviously it's a bit cooler but that water coming down was nice and warm and yeah it just looks stunning well and the pool isn't that cold though because it's constantly being replenished yep it's sort of a nice temperature mm. and this was in winter when it is cold yeah you, that say, was like- you say winter though <laughs> it's still like what <laughs> mid 20s to 30s yeah. yeah but for for pilbara i mean but you have to remember overnight temperatures are freezing mm. you know there's frost on the the ground mm, wow. and it's you know, when we were waking up, it was, you know, I think it's as cold as when you're in Tassie. You know, it's like one or two degrees sort of temperatures because wow. it is the desert. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, you, well, it's two, two and a bit hours inland, so. Exactly. Yeah. Well, colder than Tassie. That's something they don't advertise. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, you arrive back at the campsite, dark, and you've got one more day of hiking. Hmm. Where did you choose to spend that? So we had two more gorges left, and one of them was Dale's Gorge, which is the other major one. So the, the two big ticket gorge 
recreation areas are we know hancock which is on one side and the other one is dales which is quite close to the um to the um camping area and also to the visitor center yes that's true which we checked out for yeah. the first time it was pretty good dales is the one that has the the top trail for the park and i disagree with their top trail it's definitely we know in Hancock, but I see what they're saying. So with the top trails thing, it's not always the best trail. It's the trail that... More marketable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the walk that they say is the best one here is not even at all the best walk in Dales Gorge, which is just walking along the rim. So it's a walk that anyone can do because it's easy. There's no descending into the gorge. But one of the things that... I always felt in Karajini was that a lot of old people not able to get in so, and they were missing out. Yeah, you're great nomads. nomads. <laughs> yeah. Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Double jinx. Bad luck. <laughs> That's, and, I, and I'll say that, is that places like Karajini really say to me, you've got to do this while you're young if you want to really see it. Because uh, the walking into the gorge is quite easy. It's quite a well-constructed track. There's like a huge metal stairway going into the gorge mm. um, and, and you walk through the gorge. The walking through the gorge wasn't that hard. I think this is a lot easier than we know in Hancock. But this is the second best walk of the gorge walks, um, mainly because <laughs> yeah. the pools on the second side. Saying it's like the second best. So there's Fern Pool on one side and Circular Pool on the other, and they're both really beautiful. And there's also there's a, there's a waterfall as well in there in the middle. I remember Fern Pool had the fruit bats. Yeah, that's true. There was so there was a fire that came through here. So you know, this is Western Australia. So of course, of course, the park's on fire. And it burnt kind of part of the boardwalk, and yeah, kind of, there was a little bit of a something over the near fern pool because it was all like yeah, burnt. the the boardwalk near fern pool. So um, when you descend down the gorge, you pass uh, Fortescue Falls, which at the time of year we visited wasn't really flowing that well. But apparently, it's one of the few that constantly flows because there's a spring behind it. Then you walk through this um, section of forest that had all the bats. And this was was an area where there was a bushfire through. But it didn't look that bad. It probably looked no worse than uh, an area that has been prescribed burned. Mm, or, wait, no comment. <laughs> yeah. Or not as bad as some areas that have been prescribed burnt, given what's happened. Mm. Um, and there was some obvious fire damage to the, the platforms along Fern Pool. So... Fernpool has this waterfall that kind of falls into it, and it's this sort of round pool. And the water was freezing cold, but otherwise I would have swam to the other side because apparently behind the waterfall is a shelf, so you can actually sit under the waterfall. Oh, nice. However, you're not meant to go any further than that waterfall because the area beyond there is sacred to the Aboriginal people. So, you know, if you're there, just keep that in mind. Just go as far as the waterfall. You can go behind the falls, but don't go beyond there because that's mm -hmm. a sacred place and then going back through the gorge you head to the other side and the middle bit is kind of cool there's like a tree that you can climb up and Alyssa took a photo of me standing mm -hmm. on it looking like an adventurer and then it kind of opens up a little bit yeah it does i remember there was boulder kind of almost a bit of a boulder field and lots of kind of offensive cans everywhere oh yeah 
you know, the whole thing with cans. Oh, you shouldn't make cans. And, oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying cans. I was just like, like someone left cans. lots of bush chooks out there. <laughs> cans, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of of two minds about the the sculptural graffiti, as it has been referred to. Yeah. I don't mind it, but, you know, some people do. I never used to mind it. And then I read an article. I was just like, yeah, kind of understand where they're coming from. Like, one is like a directional marker. That's great. Yeah, but when enough. people start putting, like, ones... Just think, to create a thing of it? Yeah, thinking that they're now in tune with nature. It's like, no, you've just taken habitat from nature yeah. and put it somewhere else. Yeah. I, I feel like it doesn't really make a difference in the gorges because there's just boulders everywhere. There's rocks everywhere, yeah. piled um, on everywhere. But I see what they're saying with that in terms of like in a creek, which we've seen on the on the overland, there was a section where people did that next to the creek where they're pulling pebbles out. And yeah. Yeah, you know, that maybe isn't cool. But in Karajini, I don't think it was mm. a, a big deal. No, I remember going through that kind of boulder field and then you head to Circular Pool. Yeah. It was beautiful, um, big open space. Yeah, it's a big, big amphitheater, and there's water sort of seeping out of the walls almost, isn't it? And then it's going into this pool, and we saw a lot of people going for a swim, even though it was quite cold. Mm. Yeah, so... I think we weren't game at that stage. Yeah, I think we were a bit done with swimming. Yeah. Uh, you know, also I was like, I'm out, I've done spa pool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> bucket list item ticked off. Yeah, once once you go warm waterfall fed pools, mm-hmm. you can't go back to just cold. Nah, no, unacceptable. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this is this is a great one. And there's all those like those trees that were like Angkor Wat kind of roots everywhere. They had like they were growing out of the walls. I think they're like a native fig. Mm. And oh yep, I know what you're really and They cool. kind of twist and turn and kind of look all like if it was a puppet, it'd turn into a gnarled old man puppet. Mm. That would give you some wise. Ad- wisdom it's like a tree beard yeah like a druid would start mm. talking to <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was lots of those kind of druid trees yeah you know it is subtropical and there's certainly elements of you know having been to southeast queensland there's elements of that tropical feel that you can see in the gorges that you don't see out on the plains where they're all you know dry spin effects Mm. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was a really good good gorge. I'd say the second best one there. Mm. So with the bats, ob- mm. they were obviously being nocturnal. Did you ever see them at night is, or were you well away from Dale's Gorge at the Eco Resort? Didn't see them at night. No. We heard dingoes at night. Yeah, you can hear things kind of scratching around and moving around. But no, I didn't hear any bats no, around the place. Not like you do kind of in Queensland. Yeah. Like around the Gold Coast. Where they're like the equivalent of birds. They're like, they're everywhere. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, the the bats that we saw close to Fern Pool, they were just up in the trees and you can just kind of see them dangling there and occasionally making a screech. Mm. Because I think that's how we notice. We're like, oh, screech. There's a bat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Dale's Gorge, you know, obviously marketed quite well. And then you finish the day with... Kalamina Gorge, and that was your final walk of Karajini. Yeah. What was Kalamina like? It's a bit underwhelming compared to the others. Um, it was a pleasant stroll. Yeah. You know, like, again, this is the same thing we're talking about. Like, if this was near Perth, you'd be saying, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. But when you've done We Know and Dales and, and Hancock, you know, it's, it's all right. And the, the other thing is it's also the hardest one to get to because it's on an unsealed road. They say it's four-wheel drive only, but 
we've seen we saw smaller cars do it mm. the only thing was that between dales and calamina we went to a roadhouse to get some lunch and to refuel that was the main thing was the refueling and when we got just about to turn into the car park a truck went past and a rock came up <laughs> and hit our front windscreen wow. so we were now with bingo a, yeah front and back and as we were driving to calamina so for the most part, the crack was all right. Didn't, didn't and it wasn't quite in like your, like the illegal line of sight for no. the driver. It was kind of off to the side. But as we were driving to Kalamina with this corrugated road, which was mm. fine, you know, the X Trail did did admirably on it. But we could see the cracks starting to spread oh, as we were going. It was growing. It was like, oh no! And that's and when we got the gaffer again out. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't. It didn't um, actually spread on the way home. Um, no, once we hit, like, a sealed road, it was fine. We were worried about, like, air and wind yeah. kind of pressure hitting it. But I think once we were past that corrugation, it mm. never moved again. But it will, we kind of maybe kind of gambled that a little bit. Trying yeah, to get home. I guess so. You know what? It actually was not as bad as what I just had in <laughs> Victoria. So last week I was in Victoria and hired a car and had another shattered windscreen. <laughs> Your shattered windscreens are like my camera battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or car trouble whenever you're down or car south. troubles. Yeah. Oh, touch wood. <laughs> yes, touch wood. Um, but anyway, Kalamina. Kalamina is probably the shallowest gorge. It's not as exciting in that sense. Um, it's but it's not bad, and it's a it's a pleasant walk down the down the gorge to. There's like this arch that you get to that you can look at, and a lot of the other gorges are pretty closed like you get to a point and that's as far as you can go or there's a sign that says no you can't go any further even though you can if you have permission Mm. this is one where you reach sort of a natural end because there's no more track to walk on it's just water however there's no sign to say you can't keep going and it's one that i think has i would revisit again and probably swim beyond to see what there is because i think that there is more and i have read that there is more that can be done. Mm. Wouldn't recommend it to casual tourists. I think, you know, stay to the marked tracks. But if you're interested in off-track walking or exploring a bit further, this is one where I think you could probably go and see a bit more. Mm. Was this the one where people had climbed up the yeah. rock face to like a... And they were having a picnic kind of like on this really high rock? Yeah, there were some French tourists who were up the top. And How I did could you hear know they were chat. French? I could hear them speaking oh. in French. <laughs> Their berets and striped shirts. And <laughs> some, the smelly cheese was wafting from down there. Fromage high. and jambon yeah. baguettes. Um, so, yeah, we saw... I saw them up on the rocks. And, yeah, and I would have climbed up, but I didn't want to interrupt there their picnic yeah there was certainly more to that one so that there's there's a bit of like a to be continued there i guess with that one mm-hmm. something to explore another time yeah and that was all that's all the gorges that you can explore i mean there are others there's yampir gorge which is uh, filled with asbestos and apparently is not very nice and then there's the great tragedy which is with noom gorge which is filled with piles and piles of asbestos that was mined and then never sold and they just left it there. Oh no. And from what I've read, it was actually one of the best gorges in the park, mm. but you can't get there. So we've really destroyed 
that area yeah. and a part of the park that was apparently one of the best. And that's where the zombies live. There's signs, yeah, that's... Someone's... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <There> <laughs> Didn't you tell me that there was, like, someone had put up signs about zombies? Yeah, there's some sign like a, to do with that. Like yeah. a Walking Dead style. Because it is like, a ghost... Turn around! It is a ghost town. Yeah. Um... <laughs> 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 but apparently it's zombie town. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we probably should say not a real zombie town. No. <laughs> Don't go there expecting zombies. No. Uh, but it's kind of a good segue into like a, a good wrap finishing, talking about safety because it has affected this park probably more than others in WA, especially in the south where things have been closed off because of deaths and accidents. And I mean, as you've said, you've witnessed tourists doing stuff that you just shake your head at. What are your guys' tips on like preparing for Karajini and making sure that you have an enjoyable yet comfortable time there? I would read other people's experiences in terms of what they packed and brought. Just in, like, that really helped us in our writing a, a, our giant to-do list and bringing list mm. um, equipment list because we had like big tubs that we just filled with different like foods just in case something happened. Our emergency kit, like our first aid, we updated mm. and made sure we had everything ready. And I guess we had like sleeping gear as well, just in case we had to campsite, roadside, and mm. things like that. I think that this is also quite different to our normal trips in that it was more of a base camp and day walks, mm. um, hiking trip. So as a result, it was sort of more of a car camping sort of setup that we had. And there's certain things you need to remember. So one of the things is we got a spare, spare tire. Mm -hmm. So we had two spares just in case. We had jerry cans for fuel because it's a long distance between locations. And we actually did use it uh, a few times. There was one time where we were in Millstream. And rather than having to go beyond to Karatha to get fuel, it should have been you know quite a long return trip. It's like a couple of extra hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were able to just you know use the jerry can, fuel up, and then keep going. So th those are really important things. I think a spare spare, having the the jerry cans, having some glad wrap because you never know if your windscreens are going to collapse yep. on you. Gaffer fixes everything. Yeah, especially Sorry. if you're traveling with Don. Always yeah. with that, yeah. like windscreen <laughs> Something's protecting. Something's bound to smash. And when yeah. you're in when you're in the gorges, wear shoes for God's sakes. Um, don't try to do backflips into the water. Don't walk along the edges where you could fall because it's it's loose and it could collapse. Think okay. about these things, just not just for yourself. Think about it for other people because you put SES people in danger. You ruin the fun for other people because if you're injured, they might close the whole gorge for the day. So it's just selfishness. And a lot of it is done not, not, not because people are being silly, but, be, well, no, sometimes it is because they're being silly. Mm. But they're just not thinking about what, the, how, what their actions mean and that this is Australia and you can get injured. And it happens to a lot of people who are from... Uh, we, we saw a lot of European tourists who were doing mm. this sort of thing and just not understanding what it is. And I think, because I'm guilty of this as well, as you see people doing it and you just kind of watch it and don't say anything, I think it's kind of up to everyone to let people know yeah. that there are dangers and those signs aren't just there for the sake of it, like, stuff could happen and it is quite dangerous so. not just being the fun police yeah as much as people don't like to be that person and as I much think, as we ignored the signs and went to sparkle <laughs> yeah but i mean it was it was a calculated thing and you knew 
kind of it was the dry season and you weren't gonna be washed away or and we whatever. did it we did it with safety we had all the correct gear we had you know trekking poles we were walking low to keep our center of gravity down so we didn't fall over mm. you know all the things that you do to prevent an accident from happening yeah and going back to your preparedness as well we were really mindful of keeping lots of water in the car as well remember we had those big jerry cans not just for petrol yeah we had lots some of water. water and um those tracks for the cars for the yeah, wheels um, yeah emergency tracks that so we got bogged we yeah. tried to think of every potential scenario of getting stuck up there what we would need to do if we had no option of getting help how could we help ourselves so probably overpacked over but like you just don't you just don't know what yeah, you're gonna you need know. and like something as trivial as um, gaffer tape and um, cling wrap. We didn't think we'd need that, but someone offhandedly mentioned it, and we were like, "Oh, we'll yeah. just shove it in the car." Thank the Lord, we did. Mm. Um, gaffer tape solves all. Like WD forty gaffer tape, you can solve. <laughs> exactly. Does it exactly. move? Cable Do you want ties. it to move? <laughs> <laughs> and we, the other thing that we had. So if, if you are a hiker, and you have a PLB, bring your PLB because it's you know phone reception was terrible out there. Yes, there are some Wi-Fi locations along the way mm. mm-hmm. but they're few and far between yeah. and you know yeah. you can't rely on your phone it's just not the kind of environment you want to get stuck yeah. and if you've got a car and you have the option of being able to carry everything with you why not take the time to research and mm. look at what other people have brought on their road trip their packing list and just make sure you've got everything too ready mm. or at least know where you're going to be able to fuel up and where you're going to be able to kind of resupply yeah i think with the car people sometimes get complacent too because they're like oh it's only half an hour it's only an hour but if the car breaks down or something happens that's a very long walk Mm. just to get help and definitely don't just like don't you know don't shop around for fuel and then go oh we'll get to the next (laughs) one because it's a long time i've got a voucher for this place that's not not (laughs) that brand yeah need a puma Yeah. Yeah. But it was just a stunning trip overall. Yeah. I think like we paced, we paced it quite well with the gorges. Like we did as much as we could, but um, as someone who's moderate fitness, I feel like it was pretty achievable to kind of get all of the all of the walks in. If we had a family and we're going, we could easily have done at like walked at the same pace. Yeah. And I think, you know, people probably think from listening to some of the bib track pods that I, I hate Western Australia because of how critical I am of Burnt Jarrah and stuff, but I have nothing bad to say about Karajini. It really is absolutely... When, when we when we drove away, I was a bit teary because no. it is just that... <laughs> it is just that kind of place. Like, it's so beautiful and there's just a spiritual energy about it. And really, you know, having seen other places in, in Australia that are often held up as, oh, this is the best, even though Karajini is still is getting a higher profile, mm. it still, I think, is hugely underrated as, you know, one of the most beautiful and amazing national parks in this country. And would you put that down to the remoteness as well? Like it's, as you said, 1,400 kilometers, and it's not easy to fly out there and hire a car and do a trip like that. I think so. Because, you know, like Uluru from Melbourne, you can fly there in a day. Yeah. Things like that. Whereas you can't do that to Karajini. You have to give time. And that's a, that's the problem, I think, with a lot of places in Western Australia. It's always a challenge. Um, but is it worth the challenge? Absolutely. You know, I, I would... I wish it wasn't so far because I, I would go there again to this year, but 
I think the thing about it is that I guess it becomes a special thing that you really have to to say I'm going to Karajini to to yeah. see it. It's a destination. Yes. Yeah. And with all the work that goes into it, like it's a decision you have to make. It's not like it's like, oh, this weekend it's a long weekend, I'm gonna drive down to the Stirling Ranges and hike Bluff Knoll, but not that you can do that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this weekend. Oh, not, I don't mean to laugh at that because it is a very serious topic. Yeah, which we'll... We'll cover in maybe the next pod or one coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I would like to see more done in the Pilbara. I think that with what's there that we we can offer more. And I think we can offer more with tourism that, you know, it doesn't always have to be selling mountains to another country that we could maybe sell walking up those mountains to another country well the thing is the chinese are now looking for rather than being taken to a place and going wow and taking photos they want an experience and i think there's an opportunity in the pilbara and the kimberley to Mm. offer that so i don't know like it's not a billion dollar industry or the tourism industry is but that area of the state's probably not a billion dollar industry like iron ore so Mm. i don't know I just would. I feel like we could do a multi-day there, and it would be great. Especially, you know, with everything that's happening in the southwest at the moment, I think that we need to look at other places in the state because mm. the way that we're we're burning the southwest is, you know, it's it's becoming less and less inviting as a place to people. You know, we we just the other day you saw, saw someone who was saying, "Do I even come to Western Australia to do the bib?" because they're worried about control burns. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, it's unusually dry, although the last two years have been a dry autumn. Mm. Like, you'd think coming in June, July, you wouldn't have to worry about bushfires, but it's raised a serious risk now. And again, like, we need to look elsewhere where... I mean, even in the north, bushfires are still a thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they're kind of one-off nature. Most of the time, nature caused lightning strikes, whatever. Mm. But, yeah... I think we've got a great, huge state, and some of the land up north is, to me, some of the best in the whole country, mm. and we've just got to diversify our hikes and, and make sure that these areas become, I guess, open up to people, and, and not just open up to mining, but open up to people who actually want to see the land and, yeah. and explore. But I mean, as Rod said on when we had him on the podcast, it's it's money, and WA, he... What did he say? We, uh, the parks that they look after is bigger than Victoria. Exactly. And we yeah. have a population of, I don't know how much in WA, like three, four million now, mm. which is mostly concentrated in Perth. So to get the money, like there needs to be someone to believe that that's an industry that will survive. Yeah. But yeah, let's not finish this on a down note. <laughs> <laughs> Genie, it's the season to go. Well, it's the time of year to go that's coming up its best. The school holiday's coming up soon. Obviously, it's a lot of planning, but it's well worth it. Definitely. Definitely. Alyssa? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, gorge walking is for Alyssa. Go, go for the gorge. <laughs> yeah. It was gorgeous. <laughs> Can't believe we didn't get that pun in sooner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back in two weeks, uh, probably with a bushfires pod. Yeah. We'll see. Looking forward to that. We'll get some good open dialogue going because I think it needs to happen. Yeah. We need it. This needs to be a conversation that we have and, you know, as a state. Yeah. We were saving it for next summer, but I think in light of recent events, we need to have it now. Yeah. I think so too. All right. We'll see you in a fortnight then. Yeah. See you then.